Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. This is Dialogues, our year-end series where in each episode, I'm sitting down with a different guest to dialogue about a different theological topic through the lens of questions that every Christian and asks at some point not really getting into like the the deep deep waters here but trying to stay at the very practical like per, very practical level of what does this question how does this question affect me and why would somebody ask this question our topic today is the bible getting right into our source of theology we're going to the bible and my guest here today he's one of the priests of the geeks over at systematic ecology and very recently now, the voice behind The Homily, which you can also mm. listen to here on the Andazao Ministries Podcast Network, our good friend, Pastor Will Rose. Pastor Will, welcome back. And as we record this, happy Reformation Day to you. Yes. Thanks for having me back, Brandon. This is awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm a Lutheran pastor. And here we are talking about the Bible on Reformation Day, October 31st, 2023. So it was October 31st, 1517, that Martin Luther allegedly uh, and legendarily nailed 95 tweets or statements or Instagram posts on a church door and then got canceled for it. Um, And so he... um, um, there, there are scholars who debate whether he actually nailed it or whether he um, mailed it to his bishop or, or he definitely wrote them and published them and uh, printing press, the technology cutting AI chat GBT of the day, got a hold of it and ran with it and it got him in trouble because he was like, hey, y'all, I, I'm, there's some inconsistencies here in what the church practices and what I'm reading in scripture and how I understand God and Jesus to be. So let's have a talk and conversation about it. And yeah, it got him, got him some hot water and, and sparked the reformation. So it was cool. Last spring I was, I think I've shared with you on your podcast that I was able to go to Germany with our campus ministry group and go to the actual church in, in Wittenberg and, and see the place where he was campus pastor and the door where, where he on that day before all saints day made a public statement, knowing that everyone was going to come to church on all saints day. So it wasn't necessarily about Halloween and him trying to trick people or put on a costume or anything like that. <laughs> he, he knew there was going to be a lot of, it was a strategic marketing thing. He knew a lot of people were coming to church on all saints. So that's why he posted it. Um, for people to read. You know, when you use terms like tweet and cancel and strategic marketing, it does really make this uh, this occurrence sound mm-hmm. like something that uh, still happens today. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, a reformed church that is continuing to reform and we're in a continuous state of reforming. Yeah, I think, I think it applies. I think it applies. I think it applies. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So we're here today to dialogue a little bit about the Bible Back uh, back in May, during the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention, I hosted a panel. Pastor Will was on the panel. And uh, I gave him some of the hardball, some of the fast pitch questions, and uh, he definitely pointed that out. So I'm making it up to him today. Some still very important questions, I think at least, questions that I think are very normal for people to ask. They're a little bit more softball. We're not talking about how we got the canon of Scripture. Or whether or not the book of James should be in the Bible, as Martin Luther definitely didn't want it to be. He was very opposed to that one. Um, Martin Luther could be wrong. Martin Luther could be wrong at times. (laughs) Every once in a while. Every once in a while. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, one question I wanted to ask you first to get this dialogue going. It's one of my ignorant, I'm not a Lutheran questions. So bear sure. with me. You've always been always been very gracious to me with these mm-hmm. kinds of questions. With the lectionary, it's got yes. your, you know, your passages of scripture in it. What translation is that? And do you get like a like a say in if, you know, hey, I want this translation for my church? Or is it like, you know, this is your denomination. This is what we have you read. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we know that um, there's lots of translations of the Bible. In fact, Martin Luther uh, famously translated from from the Greek and in Hebrew uh, into vernacular to the vernacular of his day in the German. Uh, and so he put uh, the the words of Scripture uh, that weren't just in a foreign language people couldn't read; only the priest could ring. He put them into everyday language of the people, so he put them in, in people's lives. So, uh, rich tradition of translating the Bible so people could read it for themselves. Um, but we also understand that these these texts come from original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and come from ancient scrolls uh, that have been copied over uh, a lot of times. So, a lot of scholarship goes into translating the actual um, words themselves and particular scrolls that are used that um, also carry weight among themselves, uh, whether they're legit or been copied or not or or messed with. So there's a lot of scholarship that goes into translating the Bible. But then you have to make a choice which word you're going to use to translate a particular word, love or fear or faith and th- those kinds of things. Um, so, so people translate. You want it to be readable and people can understand it, but also want to be faithful to the original uh, language itself. So lots of different translations and people debate what's their favorite or not and those kinds of things. Paraphrases, using, using modern language, blah, blah, blah. Um, I personally grew up, um, well, I guess my church was um, the revised standard version of the Bible when I was a kid growing up in a Lutheran church. And then they did a new revised standard version, NRSV, which made um, the the text uh, more, what's the word I want to use, like pronoun and gender welcoming. So instead of saying, and God said that all men should da, 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 they said all people, all humans, to knowing that the writers of the day or back in the day meant human beings, not necessarily only those of the male gender. So the NRSV really works hard to make it inclusive in its language, even though some of the Greek and Hebrew maybe not translate exactly inclusive, just trying to get to the heart of what it's trying to do. So the NRSV is what we use in our church and is endorsed by the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Now, also in college, I'll also say the NIV, the um, New International Version, is a very good um, translation of the Bible and um, it reads easy for me and good studying. Also knowing that the footnotes and others, you can bear other English versions and also go, if you really want to know, go to the exact Greek and Hebrew and try to parse out what they mean. Um, Our ELCA doesn't have like a mandate that if you don't use the new revised standard version, then you're going to be kicked out of the ELCA or what you, I could, in my sermons, I could highlight that there's other translations or words or other Bibles translated this way to help bring a depth to the particular um, verse or passage that, that we're reading for a particular Sunday. But for our, what we print in the bulletin and what we have, on our services with the revised common lectionary, we use the new revised standard version. All right. Well, now I know. Now yep. I know. And now we there all know. 
to all of us who aren't Lutherans who are <laughs> watching this right now or aren't liturgical. Now we know. So the new revised standard version. Okay. Yeah. And I even think the, the lectionary itself, there's other churches that used, uh, that used the lectionary in the season of the church year may use different versions of the Bible. They're just the assigned readings for the seasons that move through the seasons of the church year. So if you're in, you know, the third Sunday after Pentecost, it's an assigned text, but it doesn't necessarily necessarily say you have to use the NIV or NRSV or oh, um, okay. the, the Catholic Bible or whatever. They they it just says this is the the story you use for that particular Sunday and season. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. So with this in mind then, as we are talking about translations, let's start here then with this question of what is the best version of the Bible? What's the best translation? And I I like this question a lot compared to some of the other questions that we've talked to or I've dialogued with over the past couple episodes because it's so, this is such an opinion question. At least I think it's like, I think it's an opinion question. You know, what's your personal preference type of thing? So, so for you, what is the best is is there a best translation? What is the best translation? Yeah, I remember in college when I was really um, you know, coming to my own in faith and starting to take it more seriously and wanted to read more theology. I remember going to my religion professor and and philosophy professor, Dr. Shin, who was great. He was in a public university, but he was a man of faith. And I remember I said, I said, Dr. Shin, what's the um, the best translation of the Bible? And he said, he said, and he didn't even know I was Lutheran at the time. He was like Luther's German translation of the New Testament. <laughs> and I was like, what? Right. He's like, yeah, he got it right. He got it right. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's when <laughs> he was exiled and he was uh, in the cat church castle. And um, yeah, that, that time we threw the, I saw the place where they threw the ink at the oh, wall. That nice. Supposedly that the stain was still there. I don't know. I don't know if they highlighted it or shaded it. It should make us think that. But the room where he translated the Bible and threw the ink well at the wall, because uh, he felt like he was being tormented by by demons, um, is still there. And so, again, he didn't have Netflix or streaming or the internet or Instagram. And so what did he have to do with his time while well, I was twiddling his thumbs, feeling like he was questioning everything he was doing to destroy the church in his mind, um, was like, wow, I think I'm going to really hunker down in scripture and translate from the original text into the German. And so Dr. Shin was like, yeah, that's the best, that's the best translation I've ever seen. But for me, who don't, who, who, um, I'm not fluent in German or Latin, or I even took Greek and in, in Hebrew in, in seminary, but not fluent in that either. I, I would, um, I would say for me, I'm most comfortable with the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version, just because that's what I've been working with for 20 years in ordained ministry. I do okay. like the NIV. I like how it flows. I like uh, the translation. I like how it reads. So if I'm doing my own devotions, I may, I may use the NIV. Uh, but in terms of crafting sermons and studying as I shepherd my community of faith, I'm using the NRSV. And I think like, I feel like it, it does a good job in the translation is faithful to the original text and scrolls and, and language. Uh, but also it has footnotes that foot, footnotes that will point out where there's discrepancies in scholars, scholars opinion or, or different scrolls or, or different meanings and words. Uh, and so it'll, it'll lift up in the, in the footnotes or in the notes in the margins, what's going on in the text and what, where, where there's nuance or not. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, when it comes to this question, my answer would be 
whichever one's easiest for you to read, you know, yeah. like, I think, I think that's the ultimate goal is like, you know, that's why we have so many different in a way. Uh, one of the reasons why we have so many different translations is, you know, trying to find what is the best one for you to read. And also what is the best one for your context that you're ministering in as well. So like for me, I really like the ESV, um, maybe not as inclusive um, gender when it comes to gender stuff. And that's something I'm working through in my understanding when it comes to the ESV, but I really like the ESV. It's a little bit more wooden, but it's also written at like a, I think it's a 12th grade reading level. And so when I do my youth ministry, when I'm teaching at my church's youth group, that goes from sixth grade to 12th grade. If I read the ESV, there's a really good chance. Most of those students there aren't going to be able to follow, follow along, which is why I also like the NLT, the new living translation, because for me, it's like when I read the NLT, I can very easily picture what's going on. I don't know what it is about the language that they, the, the English language that they choose to use in that, but I can picture what's going on and it's written at like an eighth grade reading level. So you can like, it's, much more inclusive when it comes to like trying to engage an audience. So yeah, that's, that's my yeah. thing is like, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I love that. I think, you know, in terms of biblical literacy is, is mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of work to be done, even with faithful church members who've been church members their whole life are, are hearing stories going, what is that? Where, where that happened in the Bible? Like biblical literacy is on the downfall, uh, just mm-hmm. in culture and even cultural Christians. Um, so, so if you're going to really just kind of, you're not looking to study the original Hebrew or meaning or Greek or the scholarly uh, aspect of, of the scrolls that they're using and the date of those things, then then just read a story that help wrap your head around how the Jesus hung out with the woman at the well or, or Moses uh, on the mountain or Jacob um, and uh, his story, like all, all those stories, just wrap your head around the basic stories. And then it's hard for me personally to not read and think, wow, wonder what that means in the Greek. Wonder what that, wonder mm-hmm. what the nuance there in that story did. What was the author of Mark really trying to say to his community behind uh, this story? Why he chose to put this story about Jesus in here and and not the one that Luke was using. Like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the um, textual criticism of it all. Um, mm. That means just kind of go deeper, not to criticize it, but to go deeper into the text and understand its context. Um, so, so that's where I'm reading personally, but if you're just rapid trying to just get a gist of, um, the story themselves, you know, I'll go ahead and throw out there the, the action Bible, you know, I got to <laughs> have a graphic novel version of, um, the, the Bible that I share with kids and I've taken to youth camps and they are not going to pick up uh, a big thick Bible and start reading the gospel of Matthew, but, but man, they'll look at pictures and understand the flow of the story. I mean, the art, the artist is having to make choices uh, on how mm-hmm. to depict uh, these characters in the Bible. But then again, I would say the translators are making choices on how they translate the words in the community that they're trying to, so we're all making choices on how to express and interpret these stories that come to us. Um, and, and speaking of the action Bible, which the art for the action Bible is really good, by the way. From two comic book nerds, it is a pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of the action Bible, like I'm kind of happy that here in the year of our Lord 2023, that 
we're finally very comfortable with the message paraphrase. Because at least when I was in youth group, which was, oh man, over 10 years ago now, um, like that was still a very hot button. I don't know if this was something going on in your context as well, but at least in mine, like there, this was a very debated, very hotly contested thing of should we be using the message paraphrase uh you know it was all the cool edgy youth pastors that were using the message or the the rebellious teens who were carrying message translations to the to youth group rather than you know and niv nlt any of the other ones but i think it's kind of nice that here we're finally to a place where it's getting its flowers because yeah, you do have to understand like what it is compared to other translations. But again, from just what you're saying of like, if you just want to get in there and read it, this is probably a really good place to start is the message. Yeah, yeah. And it it uses language of the day. I mean, if if I'm talking about Reformation, if we're using language to vernacular the what the people are using today, it helps put it in context. Um, some words are like, what did that just say? What, what are they trying to do? Um, to, to get a, to wrap your head around that, what the actual story is trying to say and communicate, I think is good. I, I will also make a pitch here. Mm-hmm. If your listeners are on Instagram, there's an account I found that I absolutely love and adore, and it is called Gen Z Bible stories. And it's basically somebody <laughs> telling the stories of Jesus in Gen Z vernacular, like don't go throwing hands because if you don't want God to throw hands, like it, it is okay. hilarious is funny. He calls the Pharisees, Holy Karens and the Holy Karens. <laughs> it, it is, it is, it's all tongue in cheek, but I, 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 you brought, you, brought it to mind for me by talking about the message mm-hmm. about using the vernacular of the day. And yes, tongue in cheek is being, it's really funny. I laugh at it, but it's also using the slang of the day to get across what Jesus was about. And you can go watch the one of the, the good Samaritan, the woman at the well, um, uh, the, the, Oh man, it's so good. I, I can't get enough of it. I can't stop listening to it. It makes me laugh. So there's my plug for the day. And if you don't like it, you can at me. You can tell me I'm awful and that's fine. That's fine. I get it. My sense of humor is not everybody's sense of humor, but man, it is a fantastic follow. What was it again? Gen Z Bible Gen translation? Bible it's got 21,000 followers. Uh, Gen Z Bible stories. Um, it's, it is so good. It is so freaking good. I'm surprised I haven't. Maybe I have seen them as I don't know reels on I Instagram, but... I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but I immediately started sharing it with my friends and posting it and sharing <laughs> it with my family. And, and of course, my kids who are Gen Z were like rolling their eyes at it. But I'm like, yep, yep, that this is you guys just trying to, it's overly <laughs> stereotypical of Gen Z slang, but that's the point. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out as soon as we're done here. In each installment of this episode, of this series, for those of you who have been following along, you know that at some point I get a little nitpicky with the questions because there has been some questions that's like well that's a very interesting word choice let's let's camp on that word choice for a second and that's going to be this question this one that we've been discussing because pastor will if we're going to ask what is the best bible translation would that not maybe hint at the fact that there is a worst 
option as well. What do you think? Is there a, you know, when someone, if someone's asking that, aren't they kind of getting at that? Like, Hey, I don't want to waste my time. Like what's the best one to read? Is there Mm. a worst option? Have you ever like had to shepherd someone away from a certain translation before? Or what do you think? Yeah, I guess, I guess if when I would say worse or unhealthy or, Mm. or why to steer people away from is if people, view their particular translation as something that um sorry my light just cut off in my office i'm trying to get the turn back on i'm just gonna glow in in your thing the, um, i was just being too still for too long i i um that that if people feel like that their version of their english translation of the bible fell out of the clouds and landed into their lap and jesus's words in red and that's and jesus said it so therefore i believe it and we're just going to stick with this literal translation that they don't understand the nuance of the translating aspect of the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and the scrolls that we're using. And they're written for a particular community and context. And they, over time, we've learned more about the meaning of these words and the context in which Jesus did ministry. And so all, all those things, if they're just saying, yep, this, this verse is, is English and this is what it means. And I'm like, well, let's, let's, it's not that simple. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a particular, I'm, I might get in trouble here, a particular speaker of the house who the things going around, around the internet was like, just my worldview, just give me the Bible. And that, there you go. It's simple. And I'm like, uh, it's not that simple. You know, there, the Bible is thousands of years, spans thousands of years. And um, our context in America in 2023 is different from Jesus's context and what he was going through. And so you, you have to tease that out and nuance. It doesn't mean it's complicated. There's not doesn't mean you can't find truth and it's all relative, but, but you can't, you can't ignore the fact um, of there's interpretation and translation going on. And then you can't take the English sentence that's in your particular translation of the Bible literally for end of all time, because that's what Jesus gave to you out of the cloud or or whatever. So that, that would be my thing. Um, That if someone said, this is the only I guess the worst worst take would be this is my Bible and this is the only Bible and it's the best and everything else is just you know don't give me your woke Bible you know give me your give me your your real <laughs> King James right. English version where I'm like oh man that that is where I would steer away and 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 move away from and fight against. Yeah, it's almost more of a unhealthy. You use the word unhealthy, and I like that. It's almost more like an unhealthy mindset rather than the worst translation, you know, like mm-hmm. and I've been reading a lot about King James history recently for a sermon I'm prepping. Cause I'm preaching on November the 5th and you're a comp book nerd. You know why I might be. <laughs> oh, there you go. But, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the King James translation, like there's a lot of, there was a lot of politicking that went into that translation and i think that often gets overlooked um but we can't help but bring ourselves into what we're translating and looking for i think that's what yeah that's what text criticism is about when it looks at the bible that the communities who wrote these can't help but put themselves in the mix and their communities in the mix of what they're trying to communicate and i think the same way we bring ourselves to the table when we read it and interpret Mm -hmm. it and apply meaning to it. And so is, is getting through all that to look and see who we are, who's around us, what community we're in, all, all that stuff. So 
Yeah. And again, just going back to this very simple idea of like, okay, what is the best one for you to read? Is what is that middle English? Is middle English really the best one for you to read and be able to understand? Is your is your context really following that? You know, if you like it, you know, some people still uh, that's what they're raised on. And if that's I was raised on it and I'm pretty young, you know, um, if that's really what you like and that's what you can read and easily follow, that's that is good. But from a like preaching teaching standpoint, I think we're kind of past the public proclamation from the King James, maybe even the new King James. It's been a while since I've read the King, the new yeah. King James translation. Yeah, I mean, but. If you memorize Psalm 23 from the King James English, and that draws you in to mm-hmm. the depth poetry of that Psalm, then by all means, hold on to it. We, we, I remember in my church in South Carolina, changing the, the, um, uh, the Lord's Prayer from King James English to 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 regular English, and people got mad that we were changing the prayer mm-hmm. and ruining their childhood. And I'm like, well, yeah, the, our entire service is not in King James. Why should this one prayer be in King James? Because we have it memorized. Well, maybe we look at what the words actual mean and what what Jesus is trying to get at, and it helps us get out of our comfort zone a little bit to to look at the prayer through a different lens. And 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 yeah, I don't we we use a, a contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer because. Mm-hmm nobody's walking around speaking King James English anymore, you know? So if there's a poetic aspect of to it that draws you into a devotional to memorize or to help memorize and help it go deeper into your heart and your daily life, then by all means, but calling that truth has to be for everyone. um, Then, then that's where you kind of off base a little bit. I, I think. I would agree. We got a little bit of time left here, so let's uh, let's try and tackle bonus. one more question. Then bonus question. here we go. Yeah, here we go. Is the Bible God's word? Yes, it is God's word. Um, but I would say that it contains God's word. That God's okay. word is initially uh, the logos before creation that became incarnate in the person of Jesus, and then uh, Jesus's life. And death and resurrection is then expressed and and proclaimed through the scriptures that w- the church has decided is faithful to who Jesus is in the canon of, of scripture. So Martin Luther, again, back to Martin Luther, called he when he did his work, he, he did not necessarily he said God's word is without error. God's love and grace is without error. But the actual scripture itself, he saw the inconsistencies and and the errors and the the in, um i guess you know it didn't what was the word i'm looking for inconsistencies but also you know disagreements among itself or whatever you want to call sure. it okay. um he called it the manger that held the christ and that the manger mm. uh has rusty nails and splinters but it it contains and holds christ and and that's what the words that's what the bible is and so i'll i'll go along with that too it, it is god's word we claim god's word it contains god's word but if i went outside and and dropped my bible in a mud puddle um god's word is not desecrated um that bible itself that book isn't um you know yeah again if i set it on fire stomped on it then that's my own um uh you know piety or or says something about me and how i how i revere god or not but the actual bible itself is 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 just a book that contains printed words and paper but it's what comes out of that that is god's word i like that a lot i like that a lot cuz we do have there are some interesting takes on the reverence towards the book itself 
you know. And I do agree with you that I think your treatment of the physical book probably also does say something about who you are as a person. Um, But we do need to get past the possibly the idolatry of the book itself and get to the actual Christ in the manger as, as Luther put it. Yeah. You bring up, I was going to bring up idolatry too. Sometimes we often treat the Bible as, as God, um, as God, as Christ, when that's, that's not the case. Um, God, Jesus, uh, the word, the logos, uh, was there with God at the beginning, the tri- second person of the Trinity there way before our, our particular 66 books, of the Bible were put together in a canon of scripture for, for the training and correction and the depth of, uh, guidance of, of the church. And so I think, I think that, that is sound, sound theology. And then the same thing could happen with our reverence to altars and church spaces mm-hmm. and holy ground. You know, we, we want to have a reverence to that, but that's not God. And there could become uh, idolatrous too, to view that in a way that is, that we should be giving to God, God's self, not necessarily, um, physical matter of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I come from the, the church context that rejected icons and a lot of church art. And over time we've replaced it with whitewashed images of Jesus. Cause somehow that's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like an altar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, my church doesn't even have like a, like a technical altar thing. We have mm-hmm. like, you know, people standing in the front giving you your communion stuff. Like, once a month because we only do it once a month too so but yeah no entire groups have been formed over this idea of like well we don't want to idol idolize this thing um and i don't know if that's necessarily the right response either is to break break from tradition or break from fellowship probably is the better the better word there to break from fellowship over something like that but um but yeah yeah and i i would also add on this content on this dialogue of you know is it god's word yes i i believe so i believe that uh what is the verse that the holy spirit worked in people people were moved as the holy spirit works through them as they wrote the word of god i don't think though that that was like some out of body experience where the holy spirit is like fully controlling the individual and they have like no influence into the writing whatsoever because you know, you look across the different genres of scripture, the different authors of scripture, and the books all look differently. The books all read differently. And so, although I definitely would say that the Holy Spirit was a part of that process and moving and, you know, we have the word of God in the scriptures. I don't, you know, there's some healthy level of human influence as well. You know, John wrote like John, Paul wrote like Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews wrote wrote like Paul for some reason. Uh, you know, but, uh, we, all, we all look up to our mentors and people we look up to. Uh, right. You know, I look up to professional pro surfers and I'm like, I wish I could surf like them and, and try to do what they do. And so the same way, you know, we look up to our, the saints and mentors that we want to emulate them as well. So why we would see that in scripture um, as well. So, yeah. yeah. Good point. All right. Well, that's uh that's all the time that we have for today's dialogue. So let me just ask you this to help wrap things up here. Um, let's say somebody is wanting to read God's word and maybe they're a little hesitant. 
Maybe they feel overwhelmed at the idea of jumping into God's word for the first time, or maybe it's been a while. What would be your shepherding counseling advice to that person? Uh, Start with the book of Revelation and Leviticus and just go for it. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my story as in in high school. I'm going to start reading the Bible. What's the most interesting book I can think of? Revelation. I was like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't start there. And then I started reading Matthew, the book of Matthew. I mean, start working your way through the New Testament. Read the four Gospels and notice the similarities and notice the differences and what these communities are trying to say. Um, And then you can take, you know, the, the, the Bible literally means library. So it's a library of different books expressing over thousands of years, people's encounter with God. And, and so you can walk through the different genres of that's there in that library. So you have the gospels, you, you have poetry, you have either Proverbs, Psalms, you have old Testament stories, Genesis, you can walk your way and read those. And, and, um, if you, uh, take out a, a, a pen highlighter journal, pencil and and mark up your Bible, write down questions, go back and look. We have this, these neat computers in our pocket and, and Google that, you know, be careful your sources, but, but yeah, you can say, Oh, what, what does this word mean? What is, what is the, what is the common understanding of what's going on in this story? And, and look through the Hebrew scholars, Jewish scholars and, and uh, new Testament scholars of, of how they're interpreting it. And yeah, just read it for yourself. And then journal questions that you have and words that stick out and, um, you know, head scratching stuff, but also like, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. Write, write it down and then, and then work with it. It's, it's a library book. So it's like going to the library, grabbing a couple books and, and, and hopping right in. And I would add to that, if you're intimidated by all of the translations and NLV and NIV, LMNOP, all the different letters, and you don't know which one to get, keep in mind, the internet is free. We have great apps now. We live in a digital age with the Uversion mm-hmm. Bible app where you can download a whole bunch of different versions, Blue Letter Bible. You can compare translations, Bible Gateway right there on your desktop. You could sample, you know, verses, you know, even put like different translations up against each other and read it that mm-hmm. way to help you choose. We, we are privileged a little bit here being in the digital age. So keep that in mind, too. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. And all, as always, thank you, Pastor Will, for making yeah. time to be here. Um, great. I, As always, folks, you can head down to the description of this episode to find links to all of the important things. If you really enjoyed this episode and would like to express your your happiness with it, through money, you can always support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash MSL pod. You can make a one-time donation or join one of our support tiers. Everybody who supports the show at $9 a month gets a shout out. So thank you, Lori, for supporting the show. Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and share it with share this episode with a friend who you think uh, would benefit from hearing what's in this episode maybe they need a little bit of guidance on bible translations that is it i believe next week here on the show i'm going to be dialoguing with claire over the gospel you know only like the most important thing so we're going to be doing that next week and yeah that is it and once again i've been brandon this has been my seminary life remember theology is for everyone so keep on studying